Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on December 27th, 2020, the first Sunday of Christmas. In the name of the one true light, always coming into our world, amen. A few years ago, I was preparing to preach on this first chapter of John, which is always the reading for the Sunday after Christmas. Amidst all the hustle and bustle of Christmas planning in a busy parish, I'd sketched out notes between services for the coming Sunday. I thought I had a pretty good sermon together. And it turned out, in the days after Christmas, I had misremembered a crucial line. Here's what I was planning on preaching. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Could not. And then as I sat down the day before the service, I reread the text, and I saw the crucial difference. Did. The darkness did not overcome the light. Well, that's a different sermon, I thought to myself. That's a different sermon. The darkness did not overcome the light. Often, as I was preparing to do in my earlier draft of the sermon, we like to split things into either or, darkness, light, right, wrong. We set up contests, little ones, or big fights, We live in a digital world, and I sometimes wonder if all of the on and off, this or that, the binary, has us playing a zero-sum game. We polarize easily. The Franciscan teacher Richard Rohr says that we are dualistic in our basic inherited theology in the West. That's what he calls this either-or, us-them tension we seem to constantly live with, dualism. We set ourselves up in opposition, in tension. Richard Rohr argues that this causes some of the most basic inequities we've constructed. When we view the world, especially the people of the world, as us versus them, we set up a dualism. Women or men, black or white, gay or straight, Republican or Democrat, we have created a lot of ors to categorize people and our categories are failing us. Which is why this image of light shining in the darkness caught my attention. The darkness did not overcome it. It's one of the classic binaries. But what is this light that shines? The light is John's version of the Christmas story. Rather than shepherds and angels, what we heard in Luke on Christmas Eve, the beautiful Hallmark and Disney Christmas, John gives us a theological hymn. Sometimes hymns are the best theology. Sometimes they're not. In this case, the Logos hymn, it's some of the best. But what does the Logos, this word of God in John, what does the Logos do? John tells us the Logos generates 
The word generates. You, you may have missed the word generate in the passage as it is in the bulletin as Chester read it. It's not there. Our common English Bible translates the Greek word ginomai, the root for our word to generate, as came into being. All things came into being through the word. I think we're better served by the fullness of the verb generates. In the beginning, John tells us, the logos was with God. And through the logos, all things are generated. This verb generate, it discloses something about the life of God. God is constantly generative. Bring to mind another descendant word, generator. According to John, the ongoing action, the ongoing work of God in our world is generating, giving power, giving life to all life, all life. Note that God does not simply bring human beings into being once. God, the Logos, continues to bring all things into being. God continues to create in us, to generate in us new life, each moment, each moment, even in the midst of pandemic, even in a holiday season when we couldn't be with loved ones, many of us, even in this moment, God is there. Light is shining, generating life. Every Christmas Eve, we light candles during the services and sing Silent Night. We even found a way to do it during the pandemic out in the parking lot or online with your candles. I'll never forget one of my early Christmas Eves here at church. The choir and clergy always have a dinner between the services. A few years ago, we had this dinner and there were more candles lit. There's a not so well-kept secret in the Episcopal Church, many of the churches like Holy Communion, almost every service we have is at least a little bit interfaith. Some of the members of our choir at any moment are Jewish, and especially at Christmas, some of our Jewish neighbors join us. I had a Jewish friend show up at one of our late services one Christmas Eve to say, God, I love those carols you all sing. A few years ago on Christmas Eve, the choir and the clergy, uh, we were downstairs under the church eating tamales between the services. Two of our choir members that night lit the first candles on a menorah and sang the blessing of Hanukkah. And that year, Christmas Eve just happened to be the first night of the Jewish celebration of light. Earlier in that same week, a rabbi friend of mine in Washington, D.C., Jack Moline, was quoted in the Washington Post. He said, lighting a candle in the darkness, that is something that stands on its own. Last year, at a Thanksgiving interfaith service, my Jewish colleague, Maharat Rory Pickernice, spelled out what Jack said is implicit. She said that at this time of year, all of the great world religions have traditions to bring light into gathering darkness. That's what faith does. It helps us to see there is always hope. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I was ready as I was preparing that sermon a few years ago to talk about all the ways darkness could not overcome light. Now I'm not so sure. We face the start of a year that brings a certain unsteadiness. I know, like many of you, I am ready to leave 2020 behind. But as we enter 2021, I'm less sure about saying exactly where darkness cannot overcome light. 
I'm concerned about setting up too many definite opposites this early in the year. In the time to come, I think we need some more room for nuance. I keep hearing, now that the vaccine is slowly trickling out to healthcare workers, I keep hearing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know my spirit has lightened every, a little bit every time I've heard the news. After I watched those trucks roll out of the Pfizer distribution center, I got teary. But the light at the end of the tunnel can't be the only good news. It just can't be. Because even in the darkest times of 2020, I've seen light. I've watched parishioners form pods together and sign in online, making community to help keep one another sane. I've watched doctors and nurses and frontline workers put their lives and their sanity at risk day after day to go into work to take care of the sick and the hurting. I've seen parents valiantly working to make sure their kids and the neighborhood kids continue their education. I've seen volunteers show up for laundry love and for our food ministry with Trinity in the Central West End. And new members this summer restarted our food garden and raised over a hundred pounds of greens for our food insecure neighbors. Friends, there isn't just a light at the end of the tunnel. There has been light in the tunnel the whole time. You, for me, and for so many, have been little lights shining. And the darkness did not overcome us. Keep letting your lights shine. In this new year, even as we can hopefully see that big light at the end of the tunnel, keep letting your lights shine. There are times when we live in darkness. After a year like this, there's no denying. But God can be found there in the darkness as well, bringing contrast, bringing light in uncertainty. It's part of our ongoing work, our ongoing celebration of this Christian season. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Sometimes I'm still working out what the gospel means. But even in uncertain times, I give thanks. I give thanks for all the ways God's light shines through the people I am entrusted to love. Amen.